started out the week studying um, for the little mini series that that we were in the the functions of the church, and uh, you know I've, it's two weeks now that that's kind of got postponed. I think we got three different uh, series going on right now. Um, I should probably finish one first, but um, I enjoy being able to uh, be all over uh, in the scriptures and just kind of be open to what I believe God has for us uh, for that week. And um, we might we might never finish the Follow His Steps series, to be honest with you. Uh, it's only taken us two years so far. Um, but um, as I was planning that, you know, and and then Bob passed away, and, and that uh, kind of, I don't know, changed my thought process for the whole entire week. And I started praying and thinking, you know, God, what, what do you want me to speak on Sunday? You know, how, how can I be an encouragement to the people? What do you have to, to show me personally? Um, because I loved Bob dearly. Uh, we, would, we would go to breakfast on a weekly basis. Uh, he loved some sweet Colorado. Um, we'd, we'd go there and get donuts and coffee and talk for an hour. And um, He was really, had a really big part in my life before my dad passed away, but once my dad passed away, Bob really stepped up that much more. And he was there for me, uh, usually harassing me and giving me a hard time. Um, he was good at that. But when I was in the interim pastor part, that six months, praying about if God wanted me to stay here or what God had for me uh, and for this church, not just me, um, every week, maybe twice, three times a week, Bob would say, Pastor Ben, you need to be the pastor. You need a candidate. You need to do it. I'm like, hold on, Bob, you know. Um, <laughs> kind of like being a youth pastor. Um, but he kept bugging me and harassing me and I just kept praying and being being open to it, and uh, here we are a couple years later. So if you don't like me as a pastor, be mad at Bob. It's it's <laughs> his his fault. Um, but really, it is his fault. Um, Bob had called me. I think it was last last Saturday. Uh, we went to his house and and met with him and his daughter, and uh, he had the ability to kind of plan out his own funeral because he saw it coming. Uh, so we talked a little bit, and, and I asked him if there was any scripture, any psalm he would want to be read at his funeral because there's, it's not going to be like a sermon-type thing at the funeral. It's going to be read a passage that he wanted and talk a little bit about it. Um, and he was like, let me think about it, you know. And, and I'm so glad he didn't tell me right then what he wanted because he called the church. It was Saturday evening. You know, nobody's here. And he left a message on the answering machine of him reading the passage of Scripture that he wanted at his, his funeral. Um, I hope that message never gets deleted. Uh, but just so, so precious. And the passage of Scripture that he read was from John 14, uh, verse 15. I threw, we're going to look at through 27 today. But he, he told me this is the passage that I want at my funeral. Well, this is not Bob's funeral. But as I read the passage, I was like, man, that would be so encouraging and so helpful for the church as we face this, this difficult time. So if you don't like the message today, you can blame Bob for that too, you know. <laughs> we can give Bob a hard time. Um, and in this, this passage, you'll be able to see why Bob held this passage so dear. Uh, you'll see comfort. You'll see encouragement. You'll see promises 
you'll see Jesus communicating to his disciples uh, a specific message, a specific plan for them. Uh, We'll be reminded of the peace that we have in Jesus. The powerful peace that he offers is there in even the most difficult situations. And I think about Bob in the last few weeks of his life, you know, him, him getting to the end there, him seeing the end coming, and him being able to stare death in the face and have peace and hope to know that it's not the end and that his future after death is much brighter than his, his life and his struggling to take breaths and, and the things that he was struggling with at the end. He was able to have this hope in Christ. And in this passage, we see this, this peace and this comfort that God gives. And I can almost picture Bob reading it to me. Pastor Ben, you need to be encouraged. You know, I read this, and God wants this for you. You know, I can, I can just picture Bob saying these, these scriptures to me. It's sad, you know, to think about Bob not being, being back in his seat where he would sit every Sunday. Um, it's sad to think about Bob not leading uh, his discussion group back in my office and all the trouble the seniors would cause back there. Um, it's, it's tough to think of Bob not leading his, his Awana class anymore and, and teaching the missionary story in, in children's church. It's, it's tough to think of that stuff, to think of eating a donut without Bob, you know. But I'm so thankful that Bob will have no more pain, no more problems, no more suffering, no more difficulties. He's in a perfect, sinless place with his Savior, the one that he loved so much, the one that he faithfully served, the one he confidently trusted in. And it's it's so nice to be able to be with someone in their last few days that has that, that hope and that comfort. And we can have confidence that, that Bob had that peace. Bob's in a much better place with Jesus. I told you this wasn't Bob's funeral, but it's kind of sounding like it a little bit. Um, the, the pain that we feel is just, it, it hurts us. We've said a couple of times, you know, Bob is done with all that. He, he's rejoicing forever now. But we're still here hurting. But we can have confidence. We can have comfort. If Jesus is our Lord, then we will one day be in heaven with Jesus. Same place as Bob. The same one as our loved ones who have gone on before us. You know, I hugged Bob last week and I said, Bob, say hi to my dad for me. I don't know how biblically accurate that is. But, you know, just the thought that Bob's in a, in a perfect place with God. Um, and what I, something, sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained here thinking about all these things, but I am thankful to have a God that cares and a God that comforts and a God that gives peace, even in the difficult situations that we face in life and losing loved ones and difficult times and, you know, life hurts at times and life life stinks at times but i'm thankful that we have a god that cares and a god that comforts and a god that offers peace let's look at our text this morning uh it's, it's a lot of verses but it's 
Wonderful stuff. We'll start in verse 15. I'll read down to verse 27, and then we will we'll quickly go through them. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be, or he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not with the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We are so unworthy, we're so undeserving of anything that you have to offer, yet you chose to love us, you chose to uh, offer redemption. I just thank you for the fact that you care about each and every single one of us on a personal, individual basis. I thank you for the comfort and the peace and the care that you so freely give and that you so freely offer. I pray that you will just challenge us today, that you will um, remind us that true peace is found in you, that true comfort is found in you, and we don't need a search and we don't need to be flustered we can just trust in you and have confidence in you and there is peace that you offer that passes all of our understanding i just pray that you'll work in our hearts today in jesus name amen so i want to give you the setting of our study here because it it helps us to understand a lot this comfort jesus is talking about this this comfort this peace that jesus is telling uh this group of people about they're going to need it in a huge way. See, he's talking to his disciples here, his, his close followers. He's addressing them. And the timing of this is within hours, Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to be killed. So we have his disciples who have been faithfully following him, who have been basically not leaving his side at all for a long period of time. If they need something, they go to Jesus. If there's a storm... They say, hey, Jesus, wake up. There's a storm around us, right? That's how close they were with Jesus. So Jesus is here. He's about to die. He's about to be crucified. 
and the life of his disciples, the life of the apostles, is going to be turned upside down. Their life is going to change in an incredible way that they really don't have a clue what's coming. They're still hoping Jesus isn't really going to die, that he's going to just stay with them. You know, we have those questions. We, we have Peter whacking off the guy's ear who tries to arrest Jesus. You know, so the disciples are still fearful, still wondering what's going to happen to Jesus. We don't want you to leave. We want you to stay with us. So we have Jesus here teaching them and giving them comfort and, and trying to encourage them in a way that I don't think they even fully understood at this point the kind of comfort and the kind of peace that they would need. Because as their life went on, most of them are going to be executed. They're going to be martyred for their faith in Jesus. And I would imagine when they're walking to their execution or stones are getting chucked at their faces, I would imagine they would need some comfort and they would need some peace. Because how in the world do you face that stuff confidently without some supernatural peace and comfort. We go through stuff on a, a small scale where how can we handle this? How can we face this stuff? Well, we have a God that is faithful and that cares and he helps us. So can you picture this scene with me today of, of these disciples not fully knowing what's coming, but Jesus trying to help them out, trying to give them some some encouragement here? Go back to, um, we didn't read these, but verses, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 14. Because this is how Jesus starts off this, this passage of Scripture here. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's encouraging stuff right there. A promise that, yes, Jesus is going away. We know down the road we see Jesus ascends up into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. To continually make intercession for us. So he, he is in heaven, but he's still going to offer comfort. And for these people who walked and talked and ate with him and drank with him and spent hours and hours with him, their life was about to change in a big way because Jesus was going to die. He was going to be resurrected. A few days later, he was going to ascend to heaven. Okay, so big life change, right? I mean, someone you're closely following to, Ascends to heaven forever. Big change. So Jesus is here preparing these people. And I can imagine these disciples dwelling on these words of Christ as times got tough, as the rocks were being hurled, as, you know, however they were executed. I'd imagine them dwelling on these words and these promises of God. Look at verse 15. If ye love me, Keep my commandments. So Jesus reminds them that evidence of their love for him is that they will obey him. And we find this repeated through, through scripture that 
evidence of salvation is, is obedience to Christ. Their lives would get crazy, but we find them staying faithful. Okay, so, so Jesus tells them, if you love me, the evidence, or if, if you love me, the evidence will be that you obey me. And we find them, we can look back at history and we can see evidence of their love for Christ. You love someone a lot if you're willing to die for them and the cause that they are promoting. That's a good test of faith, how you respond when someone's swinging an axe at your head. And we see them being obedient and staying faithful to their Savior. The comfort and the peace from God would help them face even that. So maybe you think, man, I don't know if God can help me through this. I don't know if, if the peace from God can really, is that big enough for my situation? You don't know what I'm going through. What are you talking about? I can have peace from God. This hurts. The peace of God was, was good enough, was great enough for people facing execution. And they stayed faithful and they stayed committed. If you have a question, is God's peace great enough to help you it is is his comfort great enough it is and I can give you story after story of God how am I going to get through this and God says just like this and here's some comfort here's some peace you know here's even a little joy in the situation that hurts it's amazing his peace and his comfort is amazing look at verse 16 And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus recognized that he was a comforter, but he was leaving. He was ascending to heaven. Still real, still effective in their lives, but he was no longer, you know, walking around with them like they were. So he says, I'm going to send you another comforter. Jesus knew they would need help. So he's going to send another comforter. Look at uh, verse, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, so he, he says who the comforter is, it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What jumped out to me was the world doesn't know or comprehend the comforter that that believers have in the Holy Spirit. And just an example of this, at at my dad's bedside and, and going through that, those last few hours with him, hospice was there. And they made comments like, how are you guys calm. How are you guys comforted in this? You're losing the, the patriarch of your family. How are you comforted? How are you not losing it? Because I'm sure hospice workers see some incredible situations with people losing their minds because they don't have confidence that they'll ever see that person again. See, that comfort is something from God that is real. And you can't even explain it to people that don't have it because it's so much greater than we can explain. And the verse tells us that we have it, the world 
doesn't have it. Non-believers don't have it. Believers do. That's not because we're so much greater or, or better than them. It's because of Jesus. It's not because of us. And when we accept Christ, Jesus gives us this comforter. And he's not only around us, he is in us. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. I mean, the, the disciples were here going to be waiting for the day of Pentecost here when, when the Holy Ghost would, would come and would descend. But after that point, salvation means we get the Holy Spirit. And he's there to, to teach truth, and we'll talk about some of his functions, and he is a part of the Trinity. He is a real being, not just a, a thought or, or some mystical thing. He is, he is God, and he is real, and he is powerful, and he comforts. Verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. What's going on here is he's alluding to his resurrection. He's going to die, but he will be resurrected. He's tried to make that clear to his disciples, but like I said, they're having a hard time grasping Jesus being killed. Okay, so Jesus says he alludes to his death, to his resurrection, to him seeing the disciples again before he does ascend to heaven. Look at verse 19. Yet a little while... And the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. So Jesus' death was very near. These events he's talking about are very near. The world would not see him physically after his resurrection like they did before he died. Remember, we're looking at Jesus' earthly ministry, and Jesus is going around ministering to people, people that would believe, people that would not believe revealing himself, revealing truth to the people like that. Well, after his resurrection, that relationship was going to change and his relationship would be with his disciples or believers or close followers after that. He showed himself alive to hundreds of people, possibly thousands of people after he resurrected to prove that he had indeed resurrected. But his relationship was not the same with unbelievers after his resurrection as it was prior to his resurrection. So I just want to we're limited on time, so I'm trying to quickly explain this stuff. Jesus says that they will see him. He would show himself to many followers after the resurrection because he lives. And that's huge. Jesus didn't stay dead. He defeated death. And I love how Pastor Matt talked about that this morning. How Jesus was greater. Jesus is greater than death and the grave. Jesus would defeat death. Jesus would conquer the grave. Jesus paid the price. And Jesus gave us life. Through his victory, through Jesus' victory over death, through his sacrifice, through his finished work on the cross, Jesus gave us victory and we can have life. We know physical death is coming. It's a guaranteed part of life is death. But through Jesus, we have life with him forever. Spiritual life in Jesus. And this, is, this part of the passage is definitely part of the passage that stood out to Bob 
as he stared death in the face. And I imagine this was a huge part of, of why Bob wanted me to read this, is to us to be reminded that true life comes through Christ. And even though he's knocking on death's door, he still has life. Spiritual, eternal life in Jesus Christ. Bob had hope. Bob had peace. Bob had comfort in knowing that he had life in Christ. And I want to ask you this morning, do you have that? Do you have that life in Christ? Earlier in this passage, Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. The only way for spiritual life is through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Look at verse 20. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. As events would transpire through the aiding of the Holy Spirit, the disciples would begin to understand more fully the relationship of the Father and the Son, and also of their relationship with Jesus and his relationship to them. Because think about these people, these disciples, these apostles. They didn't have the parts of the Bible yet that most of them would end up writing. So the Holy Spirit would be revealing stuff to them, would be leading them in this truth. We have the privilege of looking back at God's finished word, at God's completed word. And we can see these truths. We can understand what happens after death. We can understand these things. And the Holy Spirit was revealing these things to the, the apostles and to, to the writers of God's word. So they would be learning as they were going and their faith and their, their understanding of God would grow. And that's what Jesus says here is that you'll start to understand my relationship with the Father and the Father's relationship with me and my relationship with you. So their understanding would grow. And there's a whole lot of comfort and peace to be found there as you understand God's relationship with the Son and their relationship with us. Look at, let's read verse 20 again. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. That is the place to be, is in Christ. Romans 8.1 There is now therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin debt has been paid. The wrath of God has been satisfied through Jesus Christ. And we are no, God no longer looks at us as condemned through Christ Jesus. Because of that gift. And when we believe, when we recognize Him as Lord, as Savior, as Master. Romans 5 says we are justified, we are declared righteous, and we are at peace with God. And then Romans 8, no more condemnation. We used to be guilty, dead in our trespasses and sins. But once we are in Christ, we are forgiven, we are declared righteous. 
What a wonderful place to be. Jesus paid our punishment. Jesus took our place. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Jesus is really getting a point across here. If you really love me, you're going to obey me. If we love Jesus, we are loved deeply by the Father. Jesus is speaking to people that did love him. And there was so much comfort to be found in that love. Look at verse 22. Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, so he makes it clear it wasn't the betrayer. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? So the Judas spoken of here is Judas, the son of James. You can find that in Luke 6.16. He is called Thaddeus in Matthew 10.3. He was apparently thinking that Jesus was speaking of his physical return to set up his earthly kingdom here. And you could see that confusion with, how are we going to see you and non-believers aren't going to see you if you're setting up your, your earthly kingdom, your rule? How is that going to transpire? How could that happen without the world knowing But Jesus was not speaking of his physical return. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So Jesus explains that the revealing of himself that he is talking about is for believers. And again, he references that there will be evidence that they are believers, and that is their their love and their obedience to him. And then verse 24, Jesus gives them assurance to what he's saying. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So he's confirming in their minds, hey, this isn't just me making stuff up, which he is God, and he he has all authority, and his word is truth. But just to give them assurance, this is from God. This message I'm giving you is from God. So there is power, there is authority behind it, and it is truth. Look at verses 25 and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So Jesus tells them, I'm now speaking to you face to face. When I am gone, you will still have help. You will have a helper. You will have a comforter. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will help you remember my words. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. But those truths, those functions of the Holy Spirit, we can find as scriptures continue, continue to go on that he functions in a lot of the same ways in our life where he comforts us and he leads us and he guides us and he, he helps us understand things. He leads us into truth. So many functions of the Holy Spirit we don't have time to talk about this afternoon. But I don't want you to look at that and see, well, the Holy Spirit, sure it was great for the disciples, but what about me? Well, the Holy Spirit is still alive and active and powerful today in our lives. Jesus knew what they would need and how they would need it. 
and his father would make sure that they had a comforter and a helper. And I'm so thankful that every believer has that same comfort and that same help. The Holy Spirit is a gift given to us at the moment of salvation. He seals us. He helps us. He guides us. He teaches us. He leads us. He comforts us. So many functions of the Holy Spirit. And I am thankful for the fact that He seals us, guaranteeing our salvation, keeping us secure in Christ. And then verse verse 27, this is where I was really trying to get to today. Jesus speaking, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So we have Jesus ex- explaining what's, what's going to happen, the Holy Spirit coming, the Comforter coming, the Helper coming. And then he says, look at this. Think about this. I am going to leave you peace. This peace that he was leaving was definitely not circumstantial. It's kind of tricky to find peace if you're relying on your your circumstances and comfort. I mean, we could give examples for hours of not finding peace in circumstances. Peace comes from God. I want to read this. I read this in a, a commentary, and he said it so well, so bear with me as I, as I read this. Objectively, peace in the New Testament has to do with a person's standing before God. Subjectively, with the believer's resulting experience of peace in everyday living. Peace with God is the bedrock on which all other peace is based. So do you see that? Yes. The, the, the peace with God, the right standing before God through Jesus Christ, that, that initial peace that Romans 5 talks about, you have peace with God. That is the bedrock, that is the beginning of peace that is to be found. If there is no peace with God, then there cannot be real peace in this life. Thus, objective peace is a necessary prerequisite prerequisite for subjective peace, neither of which are possible for the non-believers to enjoy. Lots of big words there. Basically, without God, it's impossible to find peace. You find wandering and searching and rambling and maybe short-term, short-lived peace, maybe a little comfort here, but then you need something else. And no true peace to be found apart from Christ. For the believer, there is peace, there is real, genuine peace, even in the most difficult situations. Jesus makes it clear the disciples understood the kind of peace that he is talking about. And I thought this was so, so neat, the way this was written. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. He says, my peace I give unto you. Not just general peace, it's the peace of Christ. Peace from God. God is the only true source of peace. He is the God of peace. 
Where do I get that from? From Romans, from Philippians, from First and Second Thessalonians, from Hebrews, from Judges, from Isaiah, and from First and Second Corinthians. So the Bible's pretty clear that God is the God of peace. And the whole Trinity is involved in giving peace. We should be able to put some confidence in that when the whole Godhead is involved. The almighty, all-powerful three-in-one is involved in this one function of giving peace. Think of the, the salutation we find in the New Testament epistles. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You find that multiple times. You find God and Jesus involved in this giving of peace. But then we find the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So we see the whole Trinity involved in giving us peace and offering this peace. Jesus tells them it is his peace that he is giving. And I want you to think about this, this peace Think of Jesus just in the section of his life where he's facing his crucifixion. Think of the calm manner that we see in him. How do we find him responding when he's mocked, when he's scorned, when he's spit on, when he's beaten, when people are hostile towards him, when he is hated, when he is betrayed, and even in death? Could you categorize that in the, the, the section of peace? You see him on the cross, not angry, not bitter, not lashing out at people. You see him ministering to someone beside him, getting crucified, while he's fighting for every single breath. Then his words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus has authority to tell them, I can give you peace. And this is the kind of peace that I'm going to give you. Even when life is worse than you can imagine, there is peace. And that peace is from me. The peace from Jesus gives us the opportunity to be free from worry and from anxiety. Our sense of peace should not be determined by our surrounding circumstances, but by the one that we find our peace in. The peace Jesus offers is in complete contrast to the peace of the world. Did you see that in that verse? I give you peace, not as the world gives, give I unto you. What kind of peace does the world have to offer? Temporary, fleeting, no solid foundation, inadequate, and completely circumstantial. Not the kind of peace I want. The peace from Christ is true. It's sure, it's everlasting, it's constant, it's miraculous, and it's unexplainable. And if you have been in the middle of that peace, you understand what Jesus is talking about here. What a wonderful God we have to care about us in that way, to offer us peace and comfort. He doesn't say, hey, here, try to keep all these rules and... We'll see how good you do, and maybe someday you'll make it to heaven. He says, here's a list of rules I know you can't keep, so let me help you. I'm going to give you my son, and he's going to shed his blood, and he is going to make the payment for all of your sins, and he is going to satisfy my wrath, 
and you can find life in him because you cannot find life in yourself. You can find peace in him because you cannot find peace in yourself. Jesus says, I'm offering you my peace, not peace like the world offers. Jesus finishes with, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hey, trust in me. Trust in my peace. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about stuff. You might not like your circumstances, but I will give you peace. Jesus said this to a group of men that were about to face some incredibly difficult times. How could he say that? He could say that because his peace is real. Because his peace helps the hurting and it comforts the broken. And as I read this and studied this, I just thought, how fitting is this for today? Thank you, God, for putting it on Bob's heart to share this passage of Scripture with us. He has left this world, but he's in a much better place. This peace and this comfort was real to Bob. And I know this peace and this comfort has been real to many of us in this room. Hopefully all of us. But I, I just want you to think about today is a difficult day to an extent where we miss someone that we love so dearly. But difficult days are going to continue to keep coming. And people are going to continue to keep dying. And the world is going to continue to be the world. And make all kinds of bad choices and leave us in bad situations and positions. And sin is still reigning in the world. And the consequences of sin is still reigning in the world. But the peace and the comfort from God is constant. So wherever you are now, whatever you are facing now, take to heart this message that Jesus gave to his disciples. And consider, are you resting in the peace and the comfort of God? Or are you looking for that peace and that comfort in circumstances? Because I guarantee you, circumstances will leave you disappointed after a while. Let's look to Jesus for peace, true peace and comfort that only he can offer. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for the peace and the comfort that you offer. I pray that you will minister to us, that your Holy Spirit will minister to us and to our hearts, that you will give us comfort that we so desperately need and peace that we desperately desire. Please work in us. Please work through us. Please help us to be able to share your comfort with other people. I pray that we will function as you designed us to function and that we will comfort each other. Please work on our hearts today. I pray that we will praise you and glorify you. You are so worthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.